0: Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to wall... Hey, don't get
1: down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Air of Sundays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity
0: to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour, Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on am 870. The answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hallibi. Hey, welcome to the show. Learn Thanks
1: for being with fin- me. I'm Air of Helby. The total financial hour. Talking about your family's finances, of course. Getting out of uh debt, of course, managing money, planning for your retirement your future. What is that all about? What does it make uh, a difference? How does it make a difference in your life when you're trying to create or build a financial uh, strategy? And more importantly, look, this matters that lasts the rest of your life. You see, if you knew the time when you were going to retire, and many people do at age 60, 65, 68, 70, you can plan for that because there's a moment in time. But tell me how long you're going to be retired. Tell me when you're going to die. Right? If you tell me that... Then you can save and spend the very last dollar just before you get struck by lightning, right? So for a lot of you, you're doing the known and then you have to shift gears and say, now I'm going to save for something that's the unknown, which is, and and look, for those of you that are married, I'm talking about you and your spouse. So you look at statistics, right? If both of you are together, if you're married, if you reach the age of 65 and you're married, What ultimately happens somewhere in the neighborhood of what, 50, 60% that one of you is going to reach age 90 and there's a 25% that one of you is going to reach the age of 95. So there's, you know, you and a couple and you guys go on cruises together or you golf together and you're married and both of you have your 65th birthdays and when that happens and you reach that moment in time and you look around in that room, there's four of you there. Folks, one of you is going to reach age 95. That means there's a good chance you're going to be alive for decades without your spouse. Or at least the one that you started with. (laughs) Maybe you end up with another one. Right? A single guy with most of his teeth and who can still walk and get around, if you know what I mean, at the assisted living and nursing home, he's a very popular fella. Because there's a lot of other ladies in that room that have been single for quite some time. And when that when that process of looking around a room and being the only one left of the friends and family that you know, I think that's happening a little bit less now. I think today a lot more people are looking around the room and saying, "Wait a second. There's a good chance I'm going to be here for a lot longer than I originally anticipated, meaning you might have to back off some of the spending." I'm going to give you a couple of things here that I that I find that really derail someone's retirement and really gets to the place of making not small mistakes, but enormous mistakes. Because so many of you, um, you know, look, a lot of us, I didn't, I didn't say you're bad or evil or dirty or, or ugly. You've just made really dumb decisions. And one of those is using your retirement account to help give somebody, usually your son or daughter, money for a down payment for a house. Well, they're never going to be able to buy a house. You know the prices in California. You know he got shafted by his ex-wife. You know she was taken by her boyfriend. So you use emotional logic, probably all good, makes sense, right? In your mind, I get it. You use that emotional object to see if you can do math, right? In other words, one plus one really isn't two, as long as you feel like you're doing some sort of a justice to your son who's been uh, you know, financially in and out of trouble his whole life. You really think he's going to respect a house that he didn't work for? Do, do you really think, I mean, maybe you've lied and convinced yourself, people do all the time. Do you really think your son is going to be somebody or your daughter is going to be somebody that but for your $100,000 from your retirement account, would uh, just, you know, they're just not going to reach their potential. I'm going to tell you guys, you have to be very careful about that. Because the biggest mistake you can make in your life, financially speaking, is the timing of the mistake, right? You can lose a million dollars when you're 30 years old and you have 50 years of work potentially to make it back. But you lose $250,000, when you're 68 years old, and you may never see that back, right? It isn't so much the dollars as it is the time of the, the risk of the loss. And look in some of your portfolios. How many of you are frozen like a deer in headlights, right? You have to really grow up in the Midwest or up in the mountains to understand that term. When uh, uh, when you spotlight a deer or even a bunny rabbit, right? <laughs> you spotlight, they freeze. You're like, rabbit deer just go left or right do something just react and they don't they freeze that's the whole deer in the headlights you guys open up your statement from your your morgan charles uh uh, lynch guy and when you open them up what do you see you freeze you say oh but i lost this much money i'm not going to do anything until it comes back like somehow there's some sort of financial magic that occurs if you just really really want it to happen I think you have to really kind of walk down the road of saying, I have to make a decision because so many of you don't realize that nobody, your stockbroker's a great guy, gal, investment person, financial, they're all good people, maybe, but their job is not to make sure you get to retire. Their job is to retain the assets. It's to keep them come heck or high water, move them around like, the you know, like, oh, I redecorated the room. How many times, right? Just ask him hey, can you feng shui my financial portfolio? I'll go, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I bought two of these, sold six of these, transferred this, did eight of these, nine of these. Not great. Why are we still in the same place? Right? We did three steps backwards, two to the right, back to the floor. But I felt like I was doing a, a country line dancing. Before I know it, I'm right back where I started. Maybe- the accumulation of wealth, because almost anybody could have done it, by the way, just so you know, that there's not a whole lot of magic. How many times have they showed that, that monkey throwing a, a dart at the Wall Street Journal or Investor's Business Daily, and he throws a dart and picks the stock? And so you had the the fancy stockbroker with the wingtip shoes and the, and the suit and tie. You had the monkey throwing a dart, at the, and who won? Who, who did better at the end of a year? It, it's a famous thing. You can, you can look it up. And the monkey did better because for most people, most financial professionals, I'm going to tell you, we are not experts in selecting the right stock, bond, mutual fund, or investment for you that we are not. If we are, why in the daylights would we work for you? All right. I always tell you, look, if somebody says they're going to make me rich, I go, oh, really? They go, oh yeah, we've got the secret formula and we have a proprietary, I love that word, proprietary system where we get into the uh, minutiae and that, well, listen, we can't really tell you much about it because if we told you about it, man, ooh, no, we have to kill you. So we're not going to tell you about it. But we have a system and this system buys and sells and we have this tactical approach. You go, wow. Okay, good. Let them talk. You say, wonderful. First, can I meet your mom and dad? Whoever, whoever's still alive, grandparent, whoever raised you, somebody that loves you. Can I, Can I see them? And they're going to say, why? Well, I want to see if they're rich because you just told me you can make me rich. And if you didn't already do that for your mom and dad, then you're a son of a gun because this is a person that cares for you. And then I want to see your portfolio because if you didn't take care of yourself and first your parents, then how much less uh, less important am I going to be? So just know you're not using... A donkey, like a thoroughbred in a race horse, in a, in a race. You're, you're just not. At right? the Kentucky Derby, you show up with the donkey, you go, but wait, it has four legs, a couple of ears. Yeah, but it's not designed for that, right? What is the, the risk financial market world designed for? Well, it's designed for a portion of your retirement accounts, for speculation, to make a lot of money if it works, and if it loses, you don't go to bed hungry. You would never put all of your eggs in one risk basket. You just wouldn't do that. But people do. So I just want to caution you a little bit. I got to shake you up because so many of you are coming to my office and you're saying, I just don't want to do anything until anything, until I make sure that the market comes back. So what makes you think it's going to come back? Well, doesn't it always come back? Well, yeah, maybe in 20 years or 15 years or 19 years. I don't know. Right. How long did it take for Japan's market to come back? Uh, yeah, we're still waiting, still waiting. That was 1991, uh, right? How long did we wait in 2008, the height of 2008 to make our money back? That was seven plus years. How about in 2000? That was seven around uh, about seven and a half years. So I look, if you take your age today and say, I'm not going to touch this money to live on, I'm not going to spend it. For seven years, eight years, maybe ten years depends on the, the time frame there's one year one time frame where it was almost 20 years and, and that's the US economy where it just kind of went up down up down up down nothing nothing uh, really grew. So when you think about that right as a system, you have to ask yourself, is there enough financially speaking to take that risk? Can I run along this journey, and not run out of money. So how do we do that? Right? I'm all right if you say, Eric, this is my gamble money, my Las Vegas money, my, my play money. Because I'm already in my 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I don't need any more risk. I reached the goal. I, I, re- I reached that market. I hit it. It's over. And as long as you've done that and you get to the place where you say, hey, you know, I'm pretty uh, pretty comfortable with my food, shelter, clothing, you could go back and pull our 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 show with Tom Hegna. Right, Tom was great. He went along, and he told you, look, the paychecks and the playchecks. Right, I always say your food, shelter, clothing—that's my word for pay uh, paychecks. Right, your necessities, the important part in in life. And I would even add a little bit of traveling and vacationing or something, because I think a lot of you need that in retirement. You don't just want to sit around and eat Cheetos, watch Motor She Road and Wheel of Fortune and get fat and happy. Because after a bit, your knees aren't going to work. You're going to be depressed. Your friends are going to leave you. Your family's going to be you know, worried about you. Why would you want to have a life like that? So I want you to be busy. That's why I always talk about purpose. So you have that purpose. You have something to do. I'm all right with that. I don't know if it's managing your real estate, if it's uh, you know, playing with a small portion of your portfolio. Some of you know, I, I mentioned a, a 72-year-old lady who finally decided she was going to be done trading the markets. No kidding. You would know uh, her. She's kind of semi-famous. Uh, at least her husband was. He passed away per, uh, previous. And so she had about $3.5 million. She said, Arif, I want to play with some. And her kids kind of convinced her that, that she should play with 50000 Because she was always up early looking at European markets, going to sleep late, watching the, the Asian markets. No kidding. And she did all right. She, she probably treaded water pretty well. But she said, look, I'm losing it a little bit. I can't remember everything as well. I just don't want that same pressure. Okay, fine. So we took it and we separated it. I'll give you, I'll give you a, kind of that example here in a minute. We separated it out into different types of accounts. And together, her and her boys decided and, and her kids decided she could play with, if you will, I put that in quotes, $50,000. Because that gave her the excitement to get up in the morning. That gave her the excitement to see what's happening with the markets and, and follow the different companies that she cared about. And that is the tracking, if you will, right? That the, the important part of it. So she had something to do. And yet a big chunk of her retirement accounts created lifetime income. And later when she needed long-term care and assisted living, we were able to, to use these funds to pay for that. And then when she passed away, what was left was divided amongst her kids. That's the answer. That's the way to create a lifestyle that's interesting. She had friends that she would go to lunch. You know, many of you ladies and men do, right? Every Tuesday morning, every Wednesday morning, every Saturday morning. Because that's like midday when you're retired. Midday. That's why the, the um, oh gosh, what do they call them? Early bird specials. At the early bird specials are perfect, by the way, because when they come in, you get them at, uh, what, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And what happens, it's pretty, pretty amazing. You ready for this? I like it because you can enjoy eating, enjoy life, enjoy the fun parts of life. And when it comes to, um, you know, eating out and having friends and enjoying the part of your life that's important, you can do that. And financially speaking, you can do that. So I don't want you to to run around life thinking that most people have to sit at home and just kind of wait in a corner and rock to die. Right? Many of you think that. You think retirement is about just sitting around doing nothing. And I want to encourage you, that's not the case. Okay? I, I need you guys to know this. You can still enjoy life. Cutting coupons is not enjoying life. If you think part of life is about the challenge of cutting coupons, great. But if you think enjoying life and being retired is about the struggle, look, I can tell you personally that was a big thing for me was the struggle working two and three jobs. And when finally you get to a place where you don't have that struggle anymore, I, I kind of looked around and said, well, what do we do? I'd ask my wife, i go, it's five o'clock, I'm home. What what are we supposed to do between now and bedtime? I was always working a second or third job, right? So so you have to kind of adjust that part of your life. It's very similar. When you're a child, and I used to go to a swimming pool. We didn't have one, but my, my aunt lived in an apartment building in the San Fernando Valley, so we would go there all summer. My dad would drop us off on the way to work. My mom and us kids, we'd eat banana sandwiches and Arabic bread, you guys call it pita bread, We'd put bananas, you smash it in, in bread, and that was uh, our lunch or snacks. It was tough times there for a while. Dad would go off to work, we'd be there all summer, but we got to go in a swimming pool. Man, we felt like we were millionaires. We're swimming, enjoying it, whatever you do in a pool when you're a kid. And then, fast forward, I'm 16 years old, I'm in high school, and I joined the swim team. And the only reason for being in a pool... Changed from playing and jumping and whatever you do, cannonballs to swimming laps and uh, doing drills and practicing all. So for the next three, four years, I'm on swim team. Now, of course, I'm not in swim team anymore. But you're, you're when you're a kid. So now I'm 21, two, whatever, and you get into a swimming pool. I'm like, what do we do? I don't know what I would do anymore. So you've built a habit, a discipline of working. You didn't know how to play anymore in the swimming pool. Everything was about some sort of a discipline of, of drills. So financially speaking, some of you have already reached the level of comfort and you're still going backwards and cutting coupons. You're still going backwards and trying to you know, drive across town to save eight cents a gallon of gas. I'm all right with those things if that's what you want to do. I just don't want you to have to do it. Right? That's a difference, right? One is choice. One is a mandate and this allows you the opportunity i want you to start thinking logically okay i have whatever half a million dollars in my retirement account all right 500,000 that's a lot of money great job that 500,000 can give you a lifetime income of 1500 to 2000 a month maybe so just know if i'm making 1800 2000 a month these dollars are coming in every single month is that enough plus my social security to live so there's a way to, to ladder or stagger. So let me give you these different places, these different organizations or, or types of products, rather, that you can put money in. The first, it's called a fixed annuity, a fixed annuity. Now, let me give you, when I say brief, this is going to be super brief, but I want you to catch the big picture. About 115 years ago, the US government collapsed for the, the, the economic system, rather, collapsed for the second time. I'm not talking about the 1929, 1930 crash in the market. No, no. The banking system, the financial institution of the United States, collapsed. Now, most people, 1900, early 1900s, were farmers or they worked in factories. And they didn't really have a lot of money in banks. That was for the middle, upper middle class, really, and the wealthy. So when the banking system collapsed, it didn't really matter because I was a chicken farmer and you were a wheat farmer. So we would barter. How good my chickens were. I would give you chickens. You would give me wheat. Oh, your wheat is substandard, so you've got to give me more bushels, right? We would do that. So when the, when the dollars, when the economic, the fiscal or what we call fiat currency collapsed, people, eh, they just kind of shrugged their shoulders. and like, Oh, how about that? But the wealthy in America, the Rothschilds, the Vanderbilts, right? The, the Carnegie's, that whole group of people Today, we would call them Warren Buffett because he owns huge amounts of Bank of America. So he's one of the elite, believe it or not, that owns the money system. You also look and what do you see? Well, you see uh, you, um, like this history, guy named Anderson Cooper, right? He's a Vanderbilt. They might have an influence. They may have some dollars. Today, they're spread out all over the place. Often, they are different last names because they've intermarried and different things. And you don't really know that they're the ones that are they are very, very wealthy. They're very understated in the way they live. I mean, they have the big house behind walls, but most of you never ask who who lives there. And so when they do that, 115 years ago or so, the wealthy men were, were approached by the U.S. government and they said to this, tell us how we can fix our currency. You guys are wealthy. You figured it out. We need a way to fix our, our banking system and our institutions. They said, well, let's look historically. What has worked? Well, we've had insurance companies and banks. So the foundation of the United States predating 110 years ago has always been insurance companies and banks. They put money into the system. They take money out of the system. They secure the financial institutions of the United States, every, every other one. Because remember, banks have been around forever. Lloyd's of London is, have been around forever. They were insuring, uh, the, Columbus insured the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria when they came to the United States. Right, the, the queen of England. The, the, uh, sorry, the queen of Spain. So, the insurance type system has been around forever, longer than you can imagine. Banking system has been around forever. The Romans used to do that. You would give a deposit in some place, and you pick it up somewhere else. The ledger would say Arif is owed ten gold coins, and so I could pick them up in another place. I didn't have to travel with those gold coins in my pocket and get robbed by bandits along the highway. So, the Roman system. The Templars, post-Roman, would do the same thing. They had a banking system. All right. So the United States was a, approached these wealthy men and said, what do we do? They said, we're going to create the Federal Reserve System. There's 12 banks across the United States along with a central bank. You have one main bank and you have 12 other banks based on population of the time. Geographic, uh, Geographically located also, you know, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains was an important part because it was difficult to get there with trains back then. So you didn't have... In other words, it wasn't spread out every other state or something, right? They did it in a particular way. So they own the currency, and the U.S. government has the right to say, "Hey, can we borrow? Can we borrow money from the Federal Reserve? Can we give us money?" So insurance companies have been around, so have banks. Now think about it: you don't walk into a bank and give the security guard a dollar. Here's the teller. Here's two dollars. Hey, bank manager, here, here's a dollar fifty. What do we do? We walk in. We say, "I'd like to deposit ten thousand dollars in a CD." And they say, great, we'll give you an interest rate of whatever, 1%. And then right behind me, Mary comes in and she says, hi, I'd like to buy a new car. They say, great, we're going to give you an interest rate of 3%. Well, what does the bank do with the difference? Well, that's called their profit. I mean, you understand that, right? A bank makes a profit. That's how they pay this security guard. That's how they pay their electric bill. Because they're going to make more than they give you. Well, that is an important distinction, because in the insurance company world, when we come back in a minute, I'm going to get into the details of exactly how they operate, which is the same. They're going to make more than they give you. And in the banking world, that fixed annuity that I mentioned that the insurance company has a fixed, it's equivalent to, in in the same conversation anyway, as what's called a CD. So the bank has financial products called checking, savings, and CDs. That's the name of the safety financial products inside of a bank. Inside of an insurance company, it's called a fixed or fixed indexed annuity. Those are two different products that have the safety feature. Now, there's another one that Wall Street brought up many years ago to kind of hybrid it. Higher risk, much higher fees, potentially higher returns. That's called a variable annuity. You got that lesson done? When we come back, I'm going to get into that a little bit more so that you have some, some understanding of the three main types of annuities out there. All right. Our number, 888 retire 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. Give us a call at 888 retire Stay with me. We'll be right back on AM870, The Answer. Learn
0: about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a- financial security. Will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher. Strategy. Learn from
1: Hi, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halley. This is your total financial hour. It's two hours today, of course. As you know, we have our second hour coming up. Stay with us. We have some amazing uh, emails that I think will cover you guys and, and its trends that we're seeing. It's amazing. Thank you for sending them in. You can go to Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif, A R I F, at TFSWealth.com. That's dot .com, erif at com. All right. Uh, Why I bring that up for the emails is because your situation is going to be a little different. What I do when I get, uh, and and thank you for sending them in, as I mentioned, because I'm getting patterns of behavior and I want to share some of those with you. Some of you that sent them in, uh, I might answer those in the next week or two or three because I want to see if enough people have an interest. And if not, for sure, I don't mind, my staff and I will reach out to you. And uh, see if we can just talk to you on the phone specifically about your situation. Why uh, I'm bringing up the fixed and fixed index annuities is because of the changes that are coming. The guarantees, the things that can hurt you on the side of uh, the financial world, right? Uh, On the things that can hurt you where you are saving in a bank or you're trying to borrow from a bank or you're in a situation, well... Sometimes you can be the dealer, right? Wouldn't it be nice to be the casino that never loses? I love it when people go, Arif, I have a system. I go to Vegas once a month. I've had friends that have done that. I've had friends. They've gone out and they said, Arif, I've got a system for craps. Oh, great. Well, once I make 200, I get out. And if I lose 100, then I get out. Well, how long does it take? And they go, well, you know, it could be two hours, could be 10 minutes, could be four hours. Wow. But, but what happens if you keep losing the 100? Well, no, my system doesn't allow it. So, so many of you think you have a system in the stock market. And look, when everybody's going up, you didn't do anything, right? You just happened to put your money in the market. So good news. Great. Congratulations. But you didn't do anything. You didn't go and and invent something new with this company, or you didn't get in and and go through the 10 K's or the 14 K's and 10 Q's and really get into their quarterly or annual reports, the shareholder board of director meetings. Tell me about their R and D line of what's coming up, their pipeline. Most people don't do that. So if you've reached the age of 55, 60, 65, that, maybe a little older as well, 70, 75. And the goal is to protect your money because knowing that one of us is probably going to live till till age 90 or 95. And we want to have a, a comfort level in place. Then that fixed annuity does that specifically for what? For that guaranteed return side, uh, side inside of your account. Now, Here's a feature that a fixed annuity has that a CD does not. So for those of you putting money into a CD, you need to know about this. The fixed annuity products, in other words, just money from your savings checking account, right? Just the dollars in your pocket, not an IRA because an IRA has its own protections as far as taxes go. But a fixed annuity, if I took money, $10,000, $100,000, and I went to a bank and I put it into a CD, whether I took the money out or not, the interest that I earn this year, I have to pay taxes on. Right? It's subject to income tax, whatever my formula is, whatever it is. It's in, it's in my system. I get a 1099 taxable income. If I take that same 100,000 and I put it in a fixed annuity, and even if I earn the same or even more interest, which usually you do, you earn much more, about three times what you get inside of a CD, but it isn't taxable this year unless I pull it out. So let's say I'm going to defer it for a year or two or three until I leave my job and my income drops or until I need the money to live on for health care. So you can put money into a fixed annuity and earn two and a half, three, three and a half percent return. Never go backwards with money, right? Never go backwards as far as the rate of return or what's happening with the market just doesn't happen. And well, the great news on it is simple. I just never go backwards. I make a great living. My account gets to grow. I get to have protections in place. I get to reinvest the dividends, or in this case, reinvest the interest. So a fixed annuity has a time frame. Three year, five year, seven year, 10 year. Those are the most common. three, five, seven, ten. I don't know why. That's just the way it is. The longer you go out. So, but what does the time frame mean? Well, in a seven year fixed annuity, you might earn three and a half percent, three and a quarter percent. Okay. But in a five year, you might earn 2.75. You might earn 3%. So it's a little bit lower because the company, the insurance company says, we know we're going to have this money for at least that period of time. Now, come heck or high water, you need the funds. If you pass away, you, your family can take it all out. You can take it all out. You can take, out, take it all out at any time. Say, hi there, send me a check. Great. The time frame sets up a, a penalty or a fee. Right? So it's called a surrender charge. Same thing, whatever you call it. If it leaves my pocket and goes somewhere else, I don't care what you call it. It just is gone from me and goes somewhere else. So keep in mind... That if you're going to need more than 10%, because that's about what you can take out each year, depending on the account, right? You put in a hundred thousand, you can take out $10,000. If you need more than that, and it isn't a medical thing or you didn't die, then, and it has to be a serious medical thing, not a trip to urgent care, but in many cases they give you for critical illness, chronic illness, those kinds of things, then you can access more. But otherwise you'd say, "Hi, send me 50,000." They go, "No problem. You're going to pay us $1,000 in penalties." You say, "Okay. If you needed it that bad, then that's what it it might be the interest that you made or maybe even less than the interest you made. But if you're going to put it all in and buy a house in 6 or 8 or 10 months, or you're going to put it all in and buy an RV, or you're going to put it all in and buy, you know, help your son buy a house or something, that's the money that you put in. It does not go into a fixed annuity. You know, the biggest mistakes that people make, I mentioned earlier in retirement accounts, number one, you take out chunks of money for the wrong purpose because retirement accounts are income accounts and we are finding people giving it to their son or daughter for house down payments left and right. It is not only wrong, it's, it's foolish because you have to take out about twice as much. Oh, my son is a good man, Eric. If you don't understand, I care about my family. Maybe you care, you know, the the uh, behind the scene, it's, uh, well, you know, Eric, I care about my family more than you care about family. So because of that, you know, you don't understand. All right, fine. Let's think about this. You want to take out $200,000 from your retirement account to give your son maybe a hundred or 110000 Wonderful, you can do that. But you've just affected... 200,000 of income that will never ever happen again. And if you're 67 years old or 64 years old, chances are pretty good you're going to live for another 25 or 30 years. That 200,000 is probably worth a million dollars to you. And it's gone forever. So please think about that. We would use a fixed annuity, it can give a monthly income stream. You want to put that fixed annuity. Or that money in a fixed annuity and and then create an income stream off of that and give that money to your son or daughter to help with their house great that's an option right? Let's say you have a a five percent return and whatever your interest is, three four, five hundred dollars a month, whatever that money is. oh great, here it is son, I'm gonna give you five hundred dollars a month much better than giving them a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand whatever it might be. All right, that's a fixed annuity. We use it to save, we use it as a come heck or high water. It's the same interest rate. The market is up, doesn't matter, it's this 3%. Market is down, doesn't matter, it's 3%. Okay, the next one is called a fixed indexed annuity. So, you hear me talk about those a lot, I like them. It's the right tool for the right job. It's the wrong tool for the wrong job. You realize that if I had a whole garage full of uh, screwdrivers and you needed a hammer it didn't matter how many screwdrivers I had it's still a hammer so when you go to your stockbroker person right Wall Street guy gal and all they have is a, a whole garage full of screwdrivers and you need safety and security that's what the fixed index annuity does you want reasonable rates of return great that's the place you want to have guarantees where the principal and interest are protected away from the market declines well it's not a screwdriver it's a different place So that's the reason that they exist is to add for that phase of your life. So what is a fixed indexed annuity? Simple. It's fixed. That means it doesn't go backwards. Index means there's usually an index that it's benchmarked against. Most popular, most common is the Standard & Poor's 500. The S&P 500 is the top 500 companies in the U.S. economy. So it isn't necessarily one through 500, right? You go largest company and you just go all the way down 500. That's not how it works. It's the top in, in many industries. So the best in communications, the best in technology, uh, infrastructure, transportation, consumer goods, on and on. So they take the top one, two, three, or four in many different industries. And by doing that, they say that it's a variety and what's called diversification. The problem is it's been losing its shirt since the beginning of the year. For the last five six months you would have lost a lot of money so you've got to be careful even 500 places isn't diversified enough if you're still in a garage full of screwdrivers it's the wrong vehicle for the job so we look to see what's the right job for this money well a fixed or fixed indexed annuity has a floor of zero it means it's never going to go below zero remember the fixed annuity. Right? that acts like a CD. Oh, that's going to be about a 3%, two and a half, three percent 3%, whatever the time frame that you commit to. But the fixed indexed annuity, that's a zero floor. You don't go below zero. But because the guarantee is that floor, we might also get 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 even. Blue moon, all the stars align. Everything is exactly right. 12, 15, 18. Wow, that could happen. Realistically three to six, three to eight, right in that bucket. Some year zero, some four, some nine, some two, some zero, some four. If you took it all out and you averaged it over a 10-year period of time, it will fall usually right in between the three and the 6%, three to 8%, right in that little bucket there. All right, so you have to be okay with that. You have to look at it and say, hey, explain to me for a minute why the account is set up to where I got a zero last year, Arif. Well, because the market did minus 15. Did you want minus 15? Or do you want a zero? Oh, well, I'll take a zero. Well, that's what I thought. Fixed index annuity also resets every year. Now, there are some features that have a two year or a five year window. I don't like those very much. There is a reason to use it, a two year especially. But for most of you, don't bother. Too much to learn, too difficult to understand. Stay away from it, in my opinion. Okay? Stay with the annual. You can do a monthly. What does that mean? That means if the market is down 15% from today and a year from today, it just resets. That means instead of having to make up that interest again, you start over. Every year it starts over. So you get a chance to make a pretty good rate of return some years. And that's the fixed indexed annuity. There are some that have fees, fees and costs. Some that have fees and costs that are, I think, a waste of money. Some that have fees and costs where you say, okay, here's what I'm buying. Remember, what's the cost? What am I buying? What am I get for? Oh, okay. I like what I get for it. I'll take it. All right. So you got to ask yourself when I'm spending the fees, uh, spending money on the fees, do I get something for it? If the answer is yes, great. I like it. If the answer is I don't want what I'm <laughs> what I'm spending my money on, then, then don't do it. It sounds logical to say that, but you get it? All right. Here's the other part that I think is pretty important, guys. The variable annuity is out there and the variable annuity is everywhere. And boy, are they getting hammered right now. Here's why. The variable annuity uses the... Stock market is the center and then an insurance company wrapper on the outside. So stock bond mutual fund in the middle, um, insurance company guarantees on the outside. The fees and costs with that anywhere between two and a half percent. I've seen as high as 4.3 percent. But I don't want you to just add that annual percent. I was with somebody uh, this week. Here's what she had. She had $190,000. And it was in a company that starts with P and has a rock. Prudential. Nice company, I'm sure. Good people. Solid company. Actually, now publicly traded. After the debacle of the 90s, they had to uh, to go public or they, they went public. They'll tell you it was for other reasons. But the billions of dollars in lawsuits and fees and fines, uh, they had to do some things. Okay, fine. Great people, some of them. Good company, mostly. Uh, this product. Here's how. Here's the facts. You decide if it worked for you. Works for her. So she put in about a uh, hundred and ten thousand dollars. Not uh, two thousand and twelve. So ten years ago, almost ten years ago. It's worth a hundred and ninety. Okay, great. So she made eighty thousand dollars in just under ten years. Her fees on that account. Ready for this? You're not going to like it. Just about $65,000. 65000 in fees to make about $80,000. Now, she got a guarantee on the other side on an income guarantee. But if you're not going to use it for that, you always have to ask yourself, how am I going to use this account? If you're going to use it for that, great. Then leave it there. It's a good account. But if you're not going to use it for that, then don't be somebody who grabs a screwdriver to, does, to do the job of a hammer. And my, my problem is with the Stock Bond Mutual Fund and the insurance company wrappers, the fees are so onerous, they're so huge sometimes, and they're buying things that most people don't need or want. So you always ask yourself, do I really need and want these features? If I do, then wonderful. Make sure you know what you're buying. If not, you have to ask yourself, maybe it's the wrong place. All right. That, that's important, you know that. Whenever you see all the bad stuff that Jim Cramer and Susie Orman, I used to know the page that Susie Orman talks about, variable annuities and fixed index annuities. And she's pretty clear. They hate variable annuities. All of them do. Because the fees that that we get paid as brokers are just life-changing for us. <laughs> I, we don't offer them. We never have. I think there was one we did for a client. I want to say it was like 19, either 96, eight or 99, something like that, 90, 99. Never since, it's just not what we do. But there are some that do it. It's how they make their money. It's how they provide for their families. But whenever you see the bad, oh, why do I hear annuities are horrible? Why do I hear Motley Fool talk about annuities are bad? Well, that's why, because that they are talking about variable annuities most of the time. On the other side of it, though, you ask yourself, What's the purpose of the money? I've talked about the different variable, the different types of annuities. Sometimes you're going to hear something called a SPIA, single premium immediate annuity, and I guess it is a different one. Maybe it's the fourth one, maybe it's the stepchild or from the, from the second marriage twice removed or something. <laughs> maybe it's one of those. But the single premium immediate annuity have all but disappeared over the last fifteen or twenty years, simply because interest rates have been so low. However, going forward. As rates start to rise, you might start to see these SPIAs, as they're called, Single Premium Immediate Annuities, exist. So here's what it does. Anytime you start taking money out of an annuity prior to 12 months, so you can put it all in today, and you could say, in 11 months, I want to start a lifetime paycheck. That's considered immediate. 12 months in one day, it's considered deferred. So start income soon, immediate, Wait 12 months in one day. It's called a deferred annuity. All it means is when you're going to start taking money out or at least when you can start taking money out. The single premium immediate annuity works like this. You give the insurance company some money, whatever. Let's call it $100,000. Their job is to look at that account and say, all right, based on your age, we know in 25 years, Out of a 1,000 people that are male of your age, half of them will have died. Which half? We don't know. We're not sure. We know that it's one of the halves. We just don't know which half. Well, that is important because as you start to think about this, the insurance company says, we can mathematically create a formula that says if you give us $100,000, we're going to give you $850 a month for the rest of your life. now, We'll, we'll guarantee the payments, let's say, for five years. So if you die in two years, your beneficiary continues to receive that monthly income until five years is over. But what if you live six, seven, eight, nine years, and then you die? That's it. Insurance company keeps the rest of the money. They're paying the other guy who lived longer than they thought, who's out doing yoga, who, who's, who says, gosh, the longer I live, I can keep taking money, and this money never goes away. I better eat, right? I better work out. I better watch what I eat. These things are important if you're able to live longer, right? People with pensions, believe it or not, have a longer lifespan than people who are doing their own investing because people with guaranteed income, pensions, and social security have a much more comfortable lifestyle because somebody else is worrying about making the money and they can worry about living. When you're doing your own kind of investing and buying and selling, it's more stressful. It's a difficult way to live. So, keep that in mind. Single premium immediate annuities might start to be coming back. If they do, you'll hear about it here on the Total Financial Hour. And let me give you our number again. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 99 retire Right? Because if rates start to go back up. If interest rates start to go back up, you'll see CDs. That's kind of the first canary in the mine shaft. The certificates of deposit, we used to call them certificates of depreciation because it didn't even keep up with inflation and maybe it won't going forward. I don't know. But instead of a CD, consider a fixed annuity because whatever interest you're earning, you're not paying taxes on. It's not subject to income tax until later when you take it out. And that allows you, your beneficiaries, your family, to spend that money later on at a lower tax rate when you're ready without worrying about it. All right, that single premium immediate annuity. Here's the bad news with it. You always think there's good and bad. This is the bad. Let's say you've put in $100,000 and you've lived long enough and you've taken out $45,000. let us say that's the number. And then you pass away. Your beneficiaries do not receive any more money. It's It's done. So for a lot of people, when they put money in a SPIA, they know that it's not going to be part of their estate when they die. It's the income. That's why the income is higher. If you want the rest to be left to your estate, instead of $850 a month, in my example, maybe it's $600 a month. So you might say, that's okay. I'm willing to do that. Or you might be smart and do this. You say, that's okay. I'm willing to live on $600 a month, but I'm going to do $850. Why? Because I'm going to use that $250 to leverage for life insurance for my family. You see, instead of my family receiving a big chunk of money from the annuity, I want to live on as much money as I can today. I want to to have a great life. But just in case I get hit by lightning, I want to have a big chunk of money tax-free to my beneficiaries. My children, my grandchildren, right? My spouse, my husband, wife. I want them to have as, mo- as, most, as, as much as possible tax-free or tax-friendly. So using a SPIA to buy a life insurance policy, that's the little trick that our wealthy, more affluent clients have done in the past. They say, I'll give up $100,000, and in exchange, it'll buy me $250,000 tax free when I die. So then I feel like I can spend my own money because my kids are still going to get something. They'll get the house, and they'll get the life insurance. Oh, by the way, both of those are tax-free. You see, wealthy people, if you don't forget, wealthy people have done something pretty important. They understand the tax rules because they make them to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family. Learn the game. Play by that set of rules. You have a great chance to live. Live comfortably. So consider that as you process this, uh, this next uh, wave of inflation and other economic data this, this year. It's going to be tough. Let me give you my number one more time. 888 retire That's 888 After the break, I have your letters. Stay tuned on the Total Financial, financial hour. hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is AM870, The Answer. dream.
0: Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour higher income strategy learn from Arab Halabi learn about financial power, the total financial hour now Arab has a plan for me financial security will help you live the life you dream, learn about financial power the total financial hour Higher income Learn from Arab
1: Learn hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Haliband. The Total Financial power. Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Your families, hopefully getting out of debt, managing money, planning it for the future as this inflation uh, stuff. And, and look, you know, and this is going to be hard to say, but you know that the the Biden administration, one is a puppet, right? If you go back to what he said in the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, he's always been somebody who's uh, pro-life. He's always been somebody that is, uh, you know, a bit more fiscally conservative. On and on, clown, clown, clown. He doesn't either. Either he doesn't know what he's doing. He's completely changed who he was, or somebody else is pulling the strings. We all know that. And so, his economic scenario, right? What he's doing is completely undermining the United States. If you had a list of things and Hugo Chavez or the mullahs of Iran came here, Kim Jong, and they got together, right? This axis of evil, Russia and all these people, they sat together, China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, Venezuela, they all sat down and they said, how do we destroy the United States? And you look at the little chubby hand from Kim Jong-un in the back and he raises his hand. He's like, pick me, pick me, pick me say, what, what? uh, All right, Kim, what do you want? He says, I've got it. We elect Joe Biden. That's how you destroy the United States. Now, China, because they've read the emails from Hillary Clinton from day one as Secretary of State, would know that's the right answer. But they don't want to give any power to Kim Jong-un, right? It has to be somebody else's idea. That guy's a little bit wacky. So, of course... China, who's leading the meeting, is going to look back and say, okay, listen, we'll get to you in just a minute. It's a good idea. Thank you so much. We don't want to upset him, right? He's got a couple nuclear weapons. We We don't want to make him too angry. But it has to be somebody else's idea. So they said, if we bring it up, well, nobody's going to buy it. So what they did is they met with George Soros. And behind the scenes, he said, we are going to create this Democrat machine. And I only need four years. And I can imp, imp, uh, put in place these district attorneys and these secretary of states that manage the voting. We need just a few counties in Ohio and Florida. We just need a few counties across the country, and if only a few of those actually flip, with a little help from us, we'll put uh, <clears throat> leaning on the scale just a little bit. We can make the demise of the United States be something that is slow. Not our idea, and yet still take place. You see, so it, so look, if that summit were to have happened, would our intelligence community have figured it out? Probably. <laughs> I don't know what they did, why we didn't figure it out, but something happened somewhere, because it actually, the result at least, is exactly what happened. They watched the, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is that Kevin Spacey movie? Right. With the president, Kevin Spacey and and the whole concept of, you, you know, fudging some uh, some election machines in three or four counties across the country. And poof, you have a different president. Right. And Robin Penn, Robin Wright Penn, I guess her name's Robin Wright now. Is the president of the United States. When you look at, at that kind of a concept, you, you say, uh oh, we are in trouble as a nation. Not because we have wacky foreign wars going on. That was George W. Bush's doing. Some great books. One of them was written by his uh, Secret Service, uh, no, sorry, it was a CIA person that did a lot of the briefings. And he talks about how him and Dick Cheney, all they ever wanted to do was to get answers that led towards invading Iraq. They didn't, they didn't want information that was in the other direction. Now, I don't know if this guy's a liberal or not, but this book was an interesting read. I don't know if he had a, an axe to grind, a, you know, a grudge. I don't, I'm not sure, but I can tell you that it looked like it might have been true, maybe. But here's where I'm going with all this. Most of this is out of your control. You get one vote. Unless you're a Democrat in California, you might get a couple. But, for, but in truth, we get one vote. So your time is more important because you get more than one day but you still only get one vote. So you have to use your time to influence other votes. You have to use your time while the rest of the world is plotting against the United States, or certainly many big countries are, while the Biden family is getting rich, you know this, off of the Biden name. Biden himself has been paid for by China and Russia, by mayors of of Moscow, his wife. You realize these people, Jill Biden, I think, is the enemy in the story. Joe Biden is the enemy. No, How? Why? Because she allows her husband to go out and make a fool out of himself. And l- ladies, I just want you to know, it's your job to keep us, well, the best you can anyway, to keep us from really looking dumb. And if I have parsley in my teeth or my fly is unzipped, I, I want you to tell me about it. Right? You wouldn't say, oh, I'm with this guy. Right, If you had your skirt tucked back into your, into your underwear, if you had a piece of toilet paper stuck to the bottom of your high heel, you'd want somebody to talk about it. Hey, 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 stop. You just come out of the restroom at the, at the restaurant and, and stop and fix this. Well, imagine that times 100, and that's Joe Biden watching Joe Biden go in front of a set of reporters or talk to somebody. He's got notes and he still makes mistakes. He does his interviews, not from the White House, but from a a studio, a movie studio that looks like the Oval Office so that he can have a teleprompter. He has 20 and 30 year old staffers around him that just kind of prop him up. And, and, uh, you know, remember the little kid when you, you said something they didn't want to hear, they just plugged their ears and started yelling really loud. Every time you say, Hey, but is Joe Biden competent. They just plug their ears and they go, la, 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 la. If I don't hear it, it's not there. Hide and seek, run into the closet, close your eyes. You remember that? If I if I don't see you, then maybe you can't see me. Well, that is exactly what the, everybody else's problem. Joe Biden is trying to last for 2 years and 10 minutes so that his vice president gets 10 years as a puppet of the Obamas. We know that. It's Valerie Jarrett, uh, Susan Rice. These are these are top top people down the down the hall from the president's office and realistically spend a lot more time in the Oval Office than probably the president says people we know. Why does president Obama have a, a skiff right down the hall or right down the street rather, right? One of those uh, secret cone of silence rooms built into his home. First president ever to not leave Washington DC the day after he leaves his second term. Right, Most of them go back to Virginia or Arizona or Texas or, or Kentucky. Wherever they, they're from, they leave. We go back to Virginia and, and farm, live a life, travel, whatever they do. But why is it that somebody builds a house down the street and builds in one of those skiffs to undermine the president of the United States, Mr. Donald Trump? You really think that Donald Trump was a perfect person? Look, even my friends that are all MAGA out, Right. And I could be in that camp because, uh, listen, the, the choice wasn't Jesus Christ or Donald Trump. It was Donald Trump or corrupt Hillary Clinton. So th- that's your choice, people. And if you think you're supposed to like everything about they say, they do, the look of anybody, the president of your company, hey, why don't you, t- why don't you do this about your boss? Right? Why don't you go into your boss and say, hey, I don't like the way you said this. See how long you last. Right. See how long uh, until you get kicked. Why don't you tell your spouse that? Listen, you always tell that same dumb joke. Uh, I, I don't like the way you smell. You haven't taken the hair out of your ears for how many years now? You got hair grown up. Uh, listen, you haven't fixed your dental work. Why don't you do that? If you're so picky about uh, the president of the United States' appearance, why don't you talk about your spouse's appearance? Because they'd throw you out on the, on the the on an ear, right? So come on, man. The next two and a half years, God willing, that's it. Of the president of the United States, I pray it's over. I pray he's done and he goes on, and and goes and sits in a rocking chair with a warm cup of milk, right? A little Afghan over his legs. Not not the person, but you know, but it's like a quilt thing. That would be great. He just sits there, rocks, talks about the good old days get rid of them. But Jill Biden, she gets secret service protection and a pension for the rest of her life. And of course, you know, she's much younger than him. So why do you think she did this game when they're all about money? So listen, you have to plan. I don't know what's going in in store going forward. I think inflation is going to be a big deal. But let me read you some of the letters that I think we can fix. And this is what I'm finding. There's definite concern that that the election integrity of the United States is, is at fault. They say that it's Russia. I think it's actually them. Okay, so so here's an important part. You still have to live your life. You can be an angry son of a gun. I want you to spend your time and your money in the causes that matter to you. You might say it's fight, fighting an uphill battle, so you'll leave the state of California. Many people do. I can't fault you for that. This is your one life. You don't have two lives to live where you say, I'm going to live one and try to fix California. Hey, if that doesn't work, I'll just come back and live my second life in another state. You have to make a decision where you want to live, how how you want to fight. If you want to fight, I guess, right? All right. I want to read you an email. This is from, uh, it looks like from Edward and, yeah, Edward and Elizabeth. My husband and I just sold our business of 27 years. We made a lot of money over the years, most of the time, but there were many years in which our employees were paid and we were not. In fact, Elizabeth says, a few times we paid our employees from our savings account that we had, uh, that we had given as a loan to the business. However, today we feel it's time to retire and to do something else. Our goal is to make about the same $10,000 a month between all of our sources of income. As a business owner, my husband pushed uh, pushed for most of the time to have his income be higher due to higher Social Security and less towards my income, since I was always eligible for the spousal provision. I'll tell you what that is here in just a second. Edward is 67 and I'm 64. His Social Security check is 3300 a month and mine is 1500 a month. We have two rental properties that are paid off, and after all the repairs and taxes, it brings in around $4,000 a month. All right, let's write that down. That's 3300 1500 and 4000 a month. Okay. We have about $1.3 million saved for retirement. That does not include about $250,000 we have saved for emergencies and our savings and CDs. Do you think we have enough money saved? Okay, well, let's break it down, guys. One point three million dollars is a lot of money. Uh, Listen, anything is a lot of money. You're always going to hear me say that because it's yours. So please don't ever think that it's not enough. Or this is your life savings. It's nobody else's, and every financial professional should treat it with the utmost respect and the care that it deserves. All right, here's why I bring it up because that's seven thousand seventy-eight hundred dollars, seven eight eighty-eight hundred dollars in income per month. So what's the deficit, right? Three, seven, nine, yeah. The deficit is about $1,200 a month. Well, $1,200 a month in income is not difficult to get off of the 1.3 million at all, actually. Because the $1,200 a month, that's, let me give you this number, that's about 14000 a year. Even at a 4% uh, distribution, meaning the whatever's in the account, 4% withdrawal, That's about $360,000. So that means if we put $360,000 into an account and immediately begin a 4% withdrawal, that's more than enough to live on. That plus Social Security, plus plus. So the risk for them at their age is not having $10,000 a month in income. That's easy. That's done. They worked. They created it. The risk for them, believe it or not, is when one of them passes away they're going to lose that 1500 so that 1500 and now the 1200 is a much greater number right that's a total of $32,000 per year that we need to replace not today god willing not for a very long time but that's $810,000 so we have $810,000 put that into an account put that in a fixed index annuity we might receive a bonus. We might get some extra interest. As time goes on, everything is great. God willing, they live a long time. But eventually, one of them will probably pass before the other. And when they do, they lose the $1,500 spousal provision, spousal benefit. So that means that I have to replace about $810,000 chunk money, right? That that 2700 a month I have to replace. So here's how I would do it. All right, so, Ed and Elizabeth, my biggest concern for you guys is that spousal provision being uh, taken away when both of you pass away, or when one of you pass away, rather. So here's what I do. I like the idea that you have $4,000 a month in social, sorry, in in rental income. There is a little bit of maintenance with that, though. You have to do things. So just kind of keep that in mind. While you're young, you could still pay attention, put in people, uh, hopefully you have long-term tenants there that aren't, aren't giving you a problem. It's hard because there's a level of distrust between a normal level of distrust between tenant and landlord. They seem to lie to each other a lot. You know, not everybody, not all the time, but, you know, I have a particular client He has a lot of rental properties. He says, Arif, I'm going in with every tenant telling me a lie. And I, I, I think back, look, when I was in law enforcement, right, We, we that's how we operated. I didn't at first. Remember, I would pull over a little old lady that looked like my grandma and she lied to me. I remember being young, 22 years old, thinking, wow, even somebody that looks like my mom, my dad, my grandparents lie to me. They lie to the police. I didn't stop at that stop. I wasn't speeding. And I thought, wow. So I remember going through like a little bit of a depression thinking, wow, there's this this disheartened feeling for me that. Everybody lies to the police, including what I thought were good people. So it took a little bit to shake that out. But it seems like I'm hearing that again now with landlords that say, well, every tenant lies to me. Even people that look like my daughter, my son, my kids, liars. So I think that's a little harsh, although probably not completely inaccurate. So keeping in mind that the 4000 a month, I'm only going to give you 10 months worth of credit for that. Meaning, there's probably going to be a month or two where there's a vacancy or somebody may not pay. So, if you only budget for forty thousand dollars a year coming from that income, and and say that, oh well, if more comes in, well, that's a great time. I would take and ladder fixed indexed annuities. I would put some the three hundred and sixty thousand. Let's call it four hundred, and I would put that to start income right away and eh, within the next 6 months or a year, maybe 2 years, whatever, but sooner rather than later. Then I would take an additional, oh let's call it $500,000, and that 500, that I would go directly into a longer term annuity that's job that that's tied to the life of one of you. That means when one of you passes away, income can begin because we have to replace that $1500. So we can have two. We can have one for short-term income. Give it to me right now. And we can have one for longer term. Give me money later on. Because most of you think that one place is for all of the money all of the time. And I happen to like this, Ed. Uh, you guys, Elizabeth, you guys did the right thing. You have a diversification, Social Security. Now, I want to address something, actually. Uh, this is important that, that you didn't talk about. Business owners will often run most of the income for the household through one social security number. Here's why you do that or don't do that. Because if you can max out the social security for one person, it's like 140,000 a year right now. You really have to do a lot in the spouse in order to equal that, almost the same. So you have to push a lot of money into that social security because otherwise, the spouse is just going to receive about forty five to fifty percent through the spousal provision, so in other words, if your social security check is three thousand, your spouse is going to get about twelve about fourteen hundred fifteen hundred dollars something like that so it makes a lot of sense for most people to run most of the money down one social security number, the spouse, the older one, which is the other part of this, right because Ed is older, I want him to have the higher amount. Now, if we can wait a year or two and get Ed up to age 70, I'd be happier. Because the maximum Social Security you would receive is at age 70. So if we can do that, Ed would be somewhere in the neighborhood of instead of 3300 a month, well, probably, let's do the math here. Yeah, he's probably going to come in somewhere around 4000 a month, 3900 4000 And guess what, Elizabeth, if he he passes away, you receive that, the higher of the two. So I would just do the math and say, of the 1.3 million you guys have saved, what if we delayed his social security until age 70 and used, and you can turn on yours if you want, you're past age 64, turn on yours, or age 62 rather, that's the minimum. So start your social security, I would do that right away. Use some of the one point three to live on to get age uh, Ed from age sixty seven to get him up till age seventy. Now let's say they made a mistake. Let's say they I don't know when they started or if they even started it yet. They said, Oh, Eric, I started it already, tough luck. I started it four months ago. Too bad I didn't talk to you then. Social Security gives you one kind of do over. One, oops, I'm sorry, here's a mulligan. So what you can do is go back to Social Security, say, listen, For the last four months, it's a year. You can't do it past a year, but less than a year, you can. You could say, oh my gosh, I received these checks. I decided I wanted to wait. I went back to work. I need other income, whatever. So you can give it back to Social Security. You pay it back. They'll tell you how much it is, how much you got to pay back. And then what you do instead is live on your own money and it resets it. It's like as if it never happened. You paid us back you get a chance to do a do-over later on. Maybe you work part-time, maybe you consult, maybe you didn't really need it, you wanted to wait, all sorts of reasons. So if he started it and it's been less than 12 months and he says, okay, Eric, I like your idea of waiting to move my 3,300 up to nearly 4,000. I like to do that. I'd say, good, let's pay back that 3,300. Elizabeth, go ahead and start yours if you want. And Ed, this is a big part of it, We'll start yours at age seventy, and immediately we're at four thousand a month. Now, between the two guys, your retirement accounts, we can do better things for it with them. Here's what we want. What I would do, I would ladder it. I would put some for the the short term, some for the medium or long term. But I also want you to consider buying life insurance because you guys were business owners. That means all of the benefits were derived by your effort. You created it, or or it didn't happen. The life insurance policies today are what's called hybrid policies, meaning uh, maybe it's more of a marketing term, but the the functionality and and specifics of it are are exactly what they are, which means it's a mixture of life insurance and long-term care. For a lot of people, they've purchased long-term care insurance, but think of it this way. If you didn't use it, well, you lost it. And that's why it's very expensive in your 60s. If you want to buy long-term care, the best well, financially speaking, the best age to do it is in your mid fifties. The problem is statistically speaking, you'll probably leave it for 25 or 30 years before you ever actually use it. So do the math on those payments. You're going to put in, I don't know, a hundred, $200,000 more before you ever use it. Or you can buy a life insurance policy and that gives you the ability to leverage. That gives you the ability To say, listen, if I live, I get to use that death benefit for my long-term care expenses. But if I don't live, it goes tax-free. Yep, that's right. Tax-free to my beneficiaries. And in this case, Elizabeth, I might insure both of you, but for certain, I would insure one of you because when one of you passes away, that $1,500 goes away, but the life insurance check comes in. And that big chunk of money that comes in is tax-free. Not like if you sold your properties, you're going to have to pay tax on those. But the lump sum that comes in on a death benefit is tax-free, and you can still live and utilize it. Okay, so that's important. Now, if life insurance is so expensive, not all of them, you can still get a leverage. Meaning, you put in a hundred thousand, you might get a hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand worth of free, tax-free money. An immediate jump up. That's a big a big difference and I also want you to remember inflation so that's why I would have it broken into two or three buckets the last boat of money if you will of the 1.3 I would just have it set aside keep it in a savings account CD still stay under the IRA umbrella and that will give you guys income and backup through any inflationary environment so you guys did well congratulations on selling the business we'll be back in just a minute I'm Eric Hallaby. The total financial hour on AM eight seventy the answer.
0: Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategies. Learn from Arab Halabi.
1: Hi, welcome back to the show. Thank you for staying with me. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven. Three eight four seven. I forget triple eight ninety nine retire eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Thank you for being with me. Look, we're we're talking about your family's finances, and I always say, look in in the financial world, all of us are in a different position, right? Many of you are in a place where uh, you never thought. In fact, I spoke to somebody this week, and she shared with me that that she's in a in a position. Uh, she's thirty one years old. She said, Eric, I really focused on my." my financial life and on my career I've promoted up in this law firm I've done very well but here's the problem I I thought I would have been married and have children by now and I'm 30 you know my last boyfriend we were together for three years or four years I think she said four years folks I'm going to tell you there's a rule Dr. Laura has a great rule be together at least one year before you get married but one year before you even are engaged you got to go through a season you have to see each other in, in casual environments with family with stress God forbid, a a close family member dies. You need to see that. You need to feel that. But the other thing that I've noticed is at the two-year mark, if you're not a ring and a date at two years, then the guy is never going to marry or the female. I mean, sometimes it's the ladies. Most of the time it's the guys. And I think you have to realize in this world, most people, if they can get something for free, they will. And the, the cost is sometimes a commitment. Right, you guys sometimes will get something free, which is called no commitment, and I get to play house, right? Sex at leisure, uh, you know, financial uh, security, uh, combining our bills together. We get to play pretend. I get emotional connection, on and on and on, and no commitment. I think you need to realize that that, that is not in the best interest of women. But what am I finding more and more, you guys? Ladies are selling out. You guys are selling out and, and settling because men will marry if we're required to marry. Right? But if a guy doesn't have to, I'm just going to tell you, most of them won't. Right? If they can get all the stuff for free uh, without the, the cost, they will. Look at how many of you took the free government money. And when we were getting that, when they sent it out, I told you to donate it, didn't I? I said, that's nice. If you don't need it for your food, shelter, clothing, I don't mean to pay off a bill of something that you were foolish with. I don't mean to take that free government assistance because that's what it was, welfare, by the way. Even if your job was fine, even if you never got laid off, even if you were paid on and on. If you took it, it's blood money. Maybe not from you, but from your children and grandchildren. Somebody's going to have to pay for it. Right? It's like me uh, charging on a credit card six years ago and then giving you the bill and saying, hey, by the way, while you're paying your bills this month, pay this credit card. You're like, I don't even know you. It doesn't matter. Pay my credit card. You wouldn't do that. But some of you took the money, and you're going to give somebody else your credit card bill. So here's my point. Donate that kind of stuff. They're going to send it to you. The government does that. You can give it back to the government, but I would donate it to a charity, nonprofit, a church organization, homeless shelter, whatever it is that, that, uh, that you feel like you know, pet, pet charities, I think, are great. Uh, I love my dog. I have the best dog in the world. You might have the second best. I'm okay with that. But, you know, I'm not competing. It's just the way it is. So there are certain charities. All right, so I talked to you about this lady that's 30 years old. She's got a, a good job in a law firm. She expected to be married and kids, and I don't know what her future will behold. She just ended a big relationship, a long-time relationship now. She felt lied to for the last, gave up those best years of her life. She could have been moving forward. And now here's where she is. So now let's fast forward 30 more years in this person's life. I don't know if this is, if this is where she, her life will go, <clears throat> but this lady, I think she chose to use her middle name. Um, so we will be okay with that. I'll respect that. Her name is uh, Diane. We'll go by. Dear, if I'm a single lady, never married, I don't have any children. Now this email is important guys and gals because I'm seeing more and more of this countless school teachers uh, professors uh, lab tech managers uh, hospital uh, high level hospital employees that are single ladies never been married no children okay continuing with Diane's letter I'm a single lady never been married I don't have any children I've always been a professional woman and made it to the top of my profession I'm aware that I will have to take care of myself both financially and if I need any medical or long-term care type assistance. I have a great separation package from my former company as they will pay me for the next one year. My buyout and retirement package was worth about $3 million. I have 250000 in various savings accounts. That's great. I like it. My house is paid for and is a single-story home. This is, this is what I find is cool. I've heard you mention that many times uh, over the years on your radio show, so my last move was specifically to find a single story house that I could age in. And that's kind of cool. I'm going to pause for a second. That's kind of cool, guys, because 17 years and 3000 or so radio shows. Uh, I want to make sure somebody is listening. So thank you for being somebody that's out there. And if you're listening and you want to send me an email uh, just to say you're listening, I think that's nice. Our email is ARIF at TFSWealth.com. A-R-I-F at dot com. Okay. Continuing with Diane's letter, my social security check is $3,600 a month, and I am 69 years old. I will be 70 when the buyout ends. Should I start social security now? What should I put in my savings account in order to achieve an additional $5,000 per month in income? All right, that's a, these are good questions, right? To, to give you a bit of a summary, Diane is single, professional lady. I'm going to assume she's used to a higher quality of living. So 8600 a month is what she's expecting or would like to live on. I'm going to make it a little higher. That's what I would do. And the reason for that is because I think inflation and this period of time in her life, she wants to travel. She didn't say that, but that's always the assumption. So I'm going to fudge that number up a little bit. Instead of 8600 a month, I would try to plan for maybe 9000 or 10000 a month in income. Uh, if she has extra and she doesn't need it, great. She can do something else with it or just you know, pause that income. But that's what I would do. I would kind of push that up a little bit just because as a professional, uh, I like that her home is paid off. That's a big expense. That's probably why 8600 is what she's comfortable with uh, because there's no house payment. But there is taxes. Property taxes are going to go up here in California. They have to go up. It's the only thing you cannot take out of the state as people are fleeing. Jobs and companies are fleeing. It's the only thing that can stay in the state and it's what they will hold hostage is the property and the sale of that property. Okay, here's what I would do, guys. I'd like $1.5 million of the $3 million, And I would have that in an account that starts in one year. Now, the reason for that, it's simple. She has her buyout package. A big companies, Disney, Boeing, others have done it this way where they give you a buyout package that is one or two years of your income. It's, it's huge. I saw one at, at one of the companies I just mentioned. It was two years of his income. And what he did, what he did, is he went and got a job at a different place, making more money. So he ended up, you know, with a million dollars plus in his account, above and beyond his retirement accounts and the other accounts he had with us. He's like, oh, gosh, Eric, I got a job making a lot more money. Sold my house, made, you know, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars profit. Bought a house cash, and where I went in a different state, and he's got a job there. So, so that can happen. All right, so Diane, here's what I want you to do. I need to know what your purpose is because I'm going to put $1.5 million in an account that starts income in a year from now. And that lifetime income will keep up with the market. It'll give you the $5,000 uh, a month. No problem. I'm not worried about it for the rest of your life. I'm comfortable with that. All right? But what's your purpose? You're 70 years old. You're used to going full speed ahead. Your time, you were married, if you will, to your job. Many, many people are, men and women. People counted on you. They looked at you. They watched their watch until you walked in. There she is. Quick, I got a question. Right? For some of you business owners and others, they wait for you outside of the restroom because they have questions and problems and concerns. And then nobody knows your name. And then you're nobody. Yeah, not to me. But in your life, if you have identified with that job, then I want somebody to I want you to have a life that still has purpose. Maybe you're going to teach, you know, watercolors to 3-year-olds. I don't I don't care what it is. I want you to have a life that's amazing. That these years of hard work are no longer required to give you an income because your income comes from your life. Now, look, Diane, if your Social Security is 3600, I'm assuming that's at 69 now. I do want you to wait. Wait till age 70. And the reason for that is simple. At age 70, your social security check is going to approach uh, somewhere around 4000 a month. Right at. So $4,000 a month in social security at the end of the buyout, because I don't want you to take it before then. And I would put $1.5 into a, a good fixed indexed annuity that'll give you a, a monthly income stream a year, year and a half, two years, whenever it is, a year from now. But what about the rest of the money? I'd like a good 500,000 just sitting for emergencies. Maybe it's in a money market account. Maybe it's in a savings CD. That'll be up to your financial advisor on that side of the risk side of the equation. Maybe your, your tax preparer. I would say, look, put all three, four of us in a room, physical or virtual. And we say, guys, how do we solve the problem for her? I raise my hand and say, guys, I'm the safety guy. Here's what I think I can do to make sure she has that kind of money that gives her peace of mind to say, I'm going to take some chances with some other, other money. That's fine. If you want to go to the market, but I would also put some money into an account that would give you now, look, that first 500,000 is sitting there. That's for emergencies, for immediate possible needs that are healthcare related, but you do have a quarter of a million in cash sitting there, right? That's not something I need you to worry about to pay your electric bill or you need a new roof or your air conditioner goes out. We have the cash for that. You're good. But I might put maybe 500000 for emergencies and, and medical needs. That's just sitting in a money market type account. But what would I do with the other $1 million? Diane, this is important. I need inflation protection and I need long-term care protection. So I would have that drip slowly into an account and it's the same thing that I just talked about with uh, Elizabeth. A life insurance policy might be slightly different because you guys are different people, but it's called an indexed universal life policy. I'd put it into the account, and it would buy you, not all million, but just I would drip some money into that. But let's say it's three or 400000 $500,000 death benefit, but we're not buying it for the death benefit. You don't have beneficiaries. So life insurance, if it's just a death benefit, then call us. We'll see if we can turn it into one that gives you long-term care. So, if you are in a life insurance policy, you've had it for some time, and you don't need it for a death benefit, but you want it for long-term care, there might be a way to flip that into that type of a program. It exists. But with Diane's case, she didn't mention she has one, so I would create one, and that would give you three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in long-term care. Not immediately, right? You have, you can self-fund it for a while. You have the money but you're young and if something happens and you're in a facility I don't want you to be in the Medicare you know Medi-Cal facility that that is less than standard I want you to have some funds to make it work and you're young enough where inflation is coming around the corner and it's going to hit you so I like a fixed annuity that might give you a 3% average rate of return that 3% return on a million dollars is $30,000 a year well, guess what I would use to buy that life insurance. Bing, bing, bing. $30,000 a year. And it's the interest from the account. So it's not even your own money. It's the interest from your money. So a million dollars gives you a $30,000 per year. Now, look, you guys might say, error for a million dollars, that's a lot of money. Fine, make it 100,000, take away a zero. Everything, take away a zero. Or add a zero, some of you. The point is there's a strategy involved here and that million dollars has a job to do. What's its job to get a 3% return? What's that 3% returns job? It's to buy a life insurance policy that has ready for this long-term care features. And Diane, I think another big thought that a lot of folks have that are in your position, it's who, whom are, are my beneficiaries going to be? To whom do I leave this money? It's always going to be your nieces and your nephews or your sister, or your younger brother. That's fine. But what about a legacy? Right? Those folks didn't count on your money someday. They didn't earn it. It's not their job to, to sit around and wait for Aunt Diane to die. I mean, you can certainly give them something, but what if you, I don't know, find a cause. What What is a great cause out there that you believe in? a hospital you've heard me talk about providence i love them uh, the boy scouts both of my boys are eagle scouts i love them. I, I don't like what they're doing lately but right as a core group they're they're good people the legacy for for teaching other people in your industry maybe a scholarship maybe you go back to your alma mater or a university or a, a somebody that helped you over the years you, you get where i'm going with this dan the job of you was to make an amazing life, to create an amazing life. That's wonderful. But what about a legacy where somebody or something... Now look, between now and the time you pass away, I want you to sit on that board. I want you to be on the governing board or the foundation board, whatever it is. I want you to learn about them. I want you to decide, are they the right place to give your money? Maybe you start with a small donation to get your foot in the door to see how they treat your money. Do they respect it? Do they create... You know, money from money or do they act like many nonprofits, which, by the way, is a horrible thing, you guys, how these nonprofits will run around and just suck money out of the, you know, their donors. Give me, give me, give me what's next. Give me, give me, give me what's next. Right. I think you guys need to understand most nonprofits are are very, very poorly run. So just kind of keep that in mind. They're so poorly run that they will always need your money. So I want you to know that, all right? I want you to know that if you go sit on the board, you can be the person that decides whether or not they're investing the money properly. All right, as we finish up this hour of the program, guys, I've got a few more minutes, but I want to bring up a couple of things to you. Inflation and the conversation around buying gold, silver, platinum, copper, I've heard everything, futures, commodities, wheat. Oh, what if I buy orange juice, pork bellies? I can buy futures involved in the, you know, the, the future selling of the thing and I can buy it at this. Those are all potentially anyway, great investment choices. I'm sure, but this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to go and invest in it just because what I would prefer you do is to learn about it, whatever it is. If it's gold, silver, it doesn't matter. I want you to learn what is it, what makes it go up, what makes it go down. Right? If you're going to tell me you're going to invest in gold because you think that's the right place to put your money, all I'm going to ask is, how much gold in, in uh, tons does the United States have, Germany and China, Russia? Give me the top five, top 10. If you don't even know what I mean, right? you don't understand, then in many cases, I just want you to know, pretty important, you probably shouldn't be buying it. Now, if you're going to say, hey, Eric, if I collect stamps... And I know about all these different stamps. Or I collect coins, and these are gold coins found in the middle. Uh, Okay, fine. Because I think many of you need to know that your money is going to go somewhere. And if at the end of the story you don't understand why it's going up or down, then I don't know if I would put my money there. I would be careful. I would ask yourself wherever you're putting your money. Do you know why it goes up and down? Is there somebody there to explain it to you? Right? We'll explain to you how fixed and fixed index annuity works. I'll walk you through it. I don't know, maybe three times, four times, two times, whatever until you get it. It's not that difficult. We're quite simple actually. But just know about that. If you're going to put your money somewhere, you're just careful with it. If you're going to put your money somewhere, You make sure that the people respect it. There aren't these fees and costs where at the end of the story, Wall Street and the brokers, they always win and you only win if the market goes up. You know, there's some sort of a conflict of interest where the only place that you can ever win and make money is if your money is at risk. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I'd be cautious about that. Eh, Maybe that's not the right thing to do with with the push the Democrats have, they're going to get desperate because America has seen even good Democrats, and yes, there are some, not if you're a good Democrat and, and vote for these crazies. I, I don't know. If, I think that's a an oxymoron, as they say. But I think there's some good Democrats out there that kind of believe in the union philosophy that their grandparents did and they fought the big guy and they fought the banker. And I, I don't think this progressive where the ideas of people living based on the race, the color of their skin. Look, you should never give somebody something for something they can't control. And don't take something from somebody for something they can't control. I can't control my gender or my race, despite what the Wall Street Journal or the LA Times might say. Right? I can't control who my parents are. I, I happen to love my parents. They're great people. But not everybody could. Some of their parents are in prison or bad guys or murderers or criminals. Okay, you judge the person based on their behavior, the content of their character. And if you don't have the courage to stand up for this because you're worried about them calling you a racist, look, I told you a long time ago, that word is going to be gone and now it's white supremacist. Surprise, guess what it is, white supremacists. In the six months or a year when the election for the, for the presidency starts coming up again, what is that word going to be? I don't know. But white supremacist will run its course when Hispanics and and women of uh, black women and others that come forward and say listen forget the the labels i'm a conservative because of the values i don't know what they're going to call them white supremacists maybe they they did that to larry and the second thing is be careful about the news that you watch and and i mean all news because do you really care what happened in delaware or if there was a shooting or a carjacking in wisconsin or or in chicago uh, you know, listen, Chicagoans, they don't care about their own town. I, I, I like them. They're, I'm sure they're nice people, but they don't give a rip. They don't give a rip about the minorities killing minorities. What do they care about? Power and being elected. No different than than the Chicago uh, Democrat machine that's been there for decades. Right? They don't want to fix things. They want there to be problems. There has to be chaos. The reason the news puts on what's happening in these little obscure towns in Texas and other places isn't because they're not they're not horrible of course they are but you see you never cared about news in other parts of the country unless it affect your neighborhood or your city maybe you're you're part of the state but today we're watching news whether it's on our Facebook feed or on our news channel about things that are happening in in Michigan and things that are happening in in Washington State look out your door did it affect you no I'm not talking about international politics or national politics that could mean we go to war. You might want to pay attention to that. But do you really care that that there was a shooting in Sydney, Australia? Do you really care that that the the governor of some obscure town in France is going to be? No, not really. But your your emotion, your feelings, the human body reacts as if it is right down the street. When you see it, you feel like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to heck in a handbasket. I remember when I would drive around towns as a policeman and you would see when you entered or crossed that street, and I can tell you the streets. I won't tell you on the air. When you went on this side of that street, there were bars on the windows. There were, the homes were much closer together. There was a denser home. There were chain link fence or other types of fencing out front. But when you went over there, there were manicured lawns. No bars on the windows. As if criminals knew, er, stop, back up. We've got to go this way right (laughs) I mean you saw it and if you lived in that bad neighborhood and you drove around you saw oh we live in a tough neighborhood if you lived in the good neighborhood and you drove around you're like oh we live in a great neighborhood you guys are three blocks from each other and when I would speak at the, the neighborhood watch meetings you would have people say oh my gosh you know the neighborhood is going to heck in a handbasket why well not our neighborhood we live in a good pocket right how many of you play this game of we live in a good pocket we live in a good pocket The crime is over there, but you have to go through it to get to your neighborhood or go shopping. If you don't stand up for what's happening in your neighborhood, your part of the city, then you should shame on you for watching what's going on in Ukraine or France or England or Mexico. Shame on you, unless you have neighbors there or friends. Start with your own neighborhood, your school board, your city council, your water board. You need to sit on those because you're the one that's going to make a difference. All right. I hope that helps. Just been on my mind a lot watching this craziness going on. Thanks for listening, guys. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's my phone number. We're always available. Take your call or leave a message if we're, if it's uh, late or something. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I'm Arif Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Send me an email at arif at tfswealth.com. You have a great day. an eight seventy. The answer.
0: strategy, learn from Arab Halabi, learn about financial power